What is good, NBA fans? Welcome into another week of Dropping Dimes. I'm your host, Matt Nost, here each and every week with you to talk a little NBA action. And this week, we're going to be tackling all kinds of different stuff, uh, opening with some drama over the past 48 hours or so, 72 hours in the association, and uh, just the funkiness of all that. There's some injury news. There's the looming uh, trade deadline. I'll get get into that more uh, next week just because the trade deadline will be happening and we'll be right on the precipice. I'll be intrigued if there are really any cataclysmic uh, trades, A, before then, and B, in general. um, There's a lot of teams that would like to do stuff, but whether or not they have the assets, whether that be players, tradable contracts, or draft picks, to make it happen in those that do, I'm not sure that they want to kind of screw up the chemistry that they have. I'm looking at you, Memphis. Um, So it'll be intriguing, but we'll open up with the drama in the NBA over the past few days, Um, starting with the bus family deciding that Jerry West, while you did so much for us, you can go ahead and saunter off into the sunset and die, old man, because we don't give a fuck about you anymore. It's really brutal. So according to West, unceremoniously, um, his wife got a t- uh, text saying that their season tickets, which were bequeathed to them before Dr. Bus passed, um, have been taken away. Just gone. Dr. Buss said, look, you will always have a home and a place here in this franchise. You've meant so much to us and helped really cement us as one of, if not the premier franchise in all of the NBA. So because of that, all the hard work, effort, mental acuity, and everything you have done to help make this team as great as it is, you and your wife have tickets to any game at all times, whenever you want to come. Um, And for the rest of your life, that was the promise from Dr. Buss. You have them for the rest of your life. And then last season, according to West, uh, the family tickets would no longer be granted by the Lakers to the West. Just take it away. Gone. After it had been promised by their dying father saying, you will always have a place here. They just shoot him a text, shoot his wife a text and be like, you guys are out. No more. Utterly ridiculous. Now, there have been, I guess, slow divisions between West and the Lakers. And I think the last straw for the Lakers was him going to the Clippers and helping the Clippers forge a new path, new identity, and new, you know, a new destiny. And perhaps that was the straw that broke the camel's back, but it really negates all the stuff 
that he's done for you in the past. First off, as a player, he got you a championship. And then on top of that, basically, he, he along with a few other people, kept you relevant for so many years. I mean, in a, a finals that the Lakers lost to the Celtics, he is the only finals MVP from a losing team. I actually think LeBron should have gotten one of those against the, the Warriors when um, Kyrie and Love both got hurt, and it was LeBron against the Warriors, and he played so triumphantly, even though they lost the series. I thought that could have been the next time that someone from a losing team, it's the one that went to Iguodala. Um, but there's all that as a player, and then you have the front office side, which he comes into the general managership um, at the and helps forge the identity of Showtime Lakers. And they get that amazing run in the 80s, thanks to him. West then stays on, shepherds the team into another winning era by acquiring Shaq in a trade from, uh, or acquiring Shaq from Orlando. Uh, trading Divach Vladi for the rights to Kobe Bryant, convincing Phil Jackson to come and coach, and then handing off the reins to a ready-made championship team, and he walked away. And without that Shaq-Kobe era, I don't know that the Lakers have the prestige because they'd basically be like the Celtics or the Bulls, like you were once former great. Uh, and Los Angeles is a sexy place to live, but you're not the Lakers Lakers. And now they have the Showtime run. They have the, the 2000s, early 2000s into the, the, you know, teens run. And now you have the LeBron run because he grew up watching all those teams and he knows about the history of the previous and the fact that this franchise does what it takes to get marquee stars in here and, lay out the capital to make championship runs. But you can thank a lot of that to West. Then he goes off, he leaves the Lakers and he goes to the Grizzlies. And then he just, he gives the Lakers pow, which aligns with Kobe and gets them even more championships in what at the time was a ridiculously sweetheart deal. Um, ultimately they got, you know, the younger Gasol out of it and he became one of the stalwarts, one of the the cornerstones of the grit and grind era, along with a number of other individuals. But he was part of the identity of that team. But when they got him from the Lakers, he was nothing but a raw project, this chubby kid who was the younger brother of the centerpiece of this trade. But then he bequeaths them over there. And if you look at his front office record, I mean, it's unparalleled. The closest you could say, I guess, hypothetically, would be uh, Pat Riley's. But I think Wes kind of stands alone on this. Because then he goes to the Warriors and he has like a special advisory capacity where he answers to the owners. Uh, but he doesn't have like an official GM job. But he is one of the brain trusts that convinced them not to trade Clay Thompson for Kevin Love and helped convince KD to come there. One of those individuals. I'm not saying he's the sole reason that KD went there, but he's one of the people that helped convince him. Uh, at least that's my guess, but when you have the track record that he has and he starts to speak, you listen. Um, and he leaves there, and then he goes to the Clippers. I wonder if the straw that broke the gamble's back was fleecing them for Zubach. 
because the Lakers gave him up to, for nothing for Mike Muscala, uh, who was part of uh, the fodder that the Clippers got to make the Tobias Harris trade make sense on paper, uh, just as far as salaries were concerned and everything. He was a throw in there, and they put him in, and then Vita has just been really good for the Clippers ever since then. But it could be the they helped, or he helped convince Kawhi to make the leap to the Clippers. I mean, there were also a number of other factors in that. Kawhi turning to the Clippers and be like, if you want me to come here, you need to go out and get one of these list of individuals that I want to play with PG being one of them. And then they go out and trade all their trade assets for the foreseeable future to get PG. And in essence, they're doing all those trade assets to get Kawhi and PG. But I mean, there have been divisions as pointed out in that article, the fact that Jeannie bus when asked, can't remember what the show was. I've got it in my notes. I'm not going to look it up who the five best Lakers of all time. And Jerry West wasn't on that list when, by rights, Jerry West should be on that list. Uh, I think she put LeBron on. Just like, well, that they're not even. This isn't an A and B. This is a Jerry West has been the face of your franchise in some capacity for three three decades. Um, it's just ridiculous. So that to get a text saying, in essence. You're no longer welcome here. We don't want you. It's ridiculous. And West is quoted as saying like he thought he had a good relationship with Jeannie, but apparently that isn't the case. Um, I can understand if it was from the bus boys. Just because they seem so rash in their thought process quite a bit. Um Jeannie seemed to have more of a steady and level head. I, I don't know what the case is there, but it's completely weird. Just to blow up Jerry West spot for what reason? I have no idea. And I don't even know how often they were using those tickets. I mean, it could just be a case of maybe they saw a game or two a season, but since he's now been with the Clippers, he doesn't go because he doesn't feel it's right or something. I, I could see that being the case. Um, Just ridiculous. And then on top of that, you're like, all right, that's a decent amount of drama. Then there was the Ben Simmons, you know, shit keeps creeping back up. And then especially it's going to keep percolating over and over and over again until we get past the trade deadline, which is next week. And next week we're going to do a trade deadline show, which actually uh, I would like all of you to be a part of. Um. You know, I'm going to go through, I'll have a breakdown of if whatever teams haven't made moves at that point, who is left, who is available type of thing. Um, but I'll have a link. And if you want to talk about your team and who they should go after, I can send you the link, email it over to you. You can join. And then if there's enough people, then we'll just have kind of keep rotating in and out and get a perspective on what different fan bases want from their teams. Uh, at the looming trade deadline, which is next Thursday, I believe. Um, but the Ben Simmons stuff is just going to keep happening. And I'm assuming unless they can really get, you know, something like James Harden, which is their, apparently their primary goal, um, that they're going to stand pat on Simmons. 
But the reason that it's part of the drama is he comes out and there's, I, it's weird. There's a story that comes out that I'm assuming his side put out. So his people were floating this out there. And the gist of the story is Simmons feels like Embiid was critical of him and his play in last year's playoffs. But Simmons was not critical of Embiid after the Toronto series with the Kawhi miracle shot that bounced 27 times on the rim and eventually went in, which personally, I think if that goes to overtime, uh, Philly wins that series. They win that game. They take the series. They move on to the finals, and there's a good shot that they win that finals, Uh, especially if the Warriors have the same injury woes that befall them. I very much think the Sixers could have had a championship at this point. Because if you remember that game, um, all the Raptors not named Kawhi just did not want to shoot the ball. That's my lasting mental image of that. They just kept deferring to Kawhi. Nobody, Lowry and Siakam were the other two main shot creators, and they were just passing the ball to Kawhi. Please, Kawhi, bail us out in this moment. Um, And I think Philly just had more guns if it went to overtime. But Simmons is saying, look, I wasn't critical of Embiid after that series. Why is he being critical of me after this one? And I think Embiid last week had a great quote saying, I've received a tremendous amount of criticism over the years. And instead of wilting from that, I try to take it constructively and build up those aspects of my game that were deficits to withstand those criticisms in the future to increase my game and become a better player. And I actually agree with them. I mean, if you remember the TNT guys gave him a bunch of crap uh, over the past few seasons saying, you have all the talent to be better than this. And instead of shying away from it, publicly said, they're right. I need to get better. I need to fix these flaws in my game, and I'm going to try and do that. And now he is once again in the MVP discussion. Uh, Right now, I believe he's still Vegas's. He might have. See, Vegas goes with the betting public. Um, He might be number one in Vegas. If not, he's number two. Uh, A ton of other sites that I've seen that, you know, do it based upon statistical measurements, say that Jokic is far and away the MVP. I'd be curious as to whether or not, although the Nuggets are now well above 500 and they don't have their second and third best players, which Embiid can't really say uh, right now. He doesn't have technically his second best player, but the rest of the team is there. And Jokic doesn't have Murray, doesn't have Porter Jr. and has this team. Like the on-off numbers are staggering. When he's out there, they're fantastic. When he's off, they're abysmal. Uh, Although I haven't looked at the on-off on Joel. But to get back to the point, so Simmons was, or someone from Simmons' camp floats out this story, that's my assumption at least, saying Ben doesn't think that the criticism is a two-way street on this. And also, 
that if the Clippers were serious about getting him back, they could have come out here and gone up into the Valley in Los Angeles because that's where Simmons was working out at a well-known gym in North Hollywood or in San Fernando Valley rather. And they could have come there. And I, there was those stories that the Clippers did fly out here in the off season and they had a dinner where, you know, shouting commenced when Simmons said, I'm not going to play. And Doc was like, look at your fucking contract. You're going to play or you're going to sacrifice a ton of money. And at this point, Simmons is like, it's not about the money. I just want out. I want a new fresh change of scenery, but I don't understand the, they knew where I was working out when also part of that article is the fact that uh, Simmons acknowledges that Doc called and texted and uh, Simmons was ghosting him, just wasn't responding. It's like, okay, so you expect them to fly across the country, drive to the gym, hope that you're there, and then come in and talk to you as if you're going to be receptive to this discussion, even though you've given zero indication that you're willing to have this discussion. None. You haven't sent back a text and be like, you got to talk to me in person. Answered a phone call and be like, I'll only do this face-to-face. It's just, it's utterly ridiculous. And now the stories are going back and forth. Has Simmons heard his trade value? Simmons definitely hasn't heard his trade value. I actually saw one person say he actually, you know, he increased it. Kind of like a, you know, you want what you can't have. So teams are like, oh, think about the possibilities of what getting Simmons could mean for us. Uh, I don't know. I think it could work on your team if you have just a boatload of shooters and you're also willing to run because in transition, he's great. If you're going to rely on a half-court offense and Simmons isn't willing to take the ball out of his hands and go sit in the dunker spot, I don't know how much value he has. Unless all this time off, he has developed an incredible jump shot and he's finally turned the corner on that. We shall see. But dear God, is there a lot of drama in the NBA right now? Now, the trade deadline is some of it, but the the, uh, West situation was just utterly ridiculous. But yeah, looming trade deadline. Um, so next week, for those watching, listening, uh, I would love to have you. And what I'll do is, for those that are in the chat now and do it every week, I'll put the show's email address up there. And If you email the show, then I can reply with the link. And uh, that way I can also manage, if there's a ton of people, the order and uh it'll better enable me to um figure out the time frame of how long each person person should uh how much time they should get because i'd like to maximize it so you can come on say your two cents i'm not trying to rush you in and out um or keep someone on for 20 minutes and then just get an avalanche of people that want on. And then I have to cycle through to make sure that I try and get as many as possible. And everybody else after that is only getting a minute a piece, um, which I'm not against the 20 minute discussion. I just don't want to shortchange anybody else that comes on. 
Uh, so let's move over to the chat, see what you guys want to talk about because, because it's the middle of the season, there's a million things to talk about and simultaneously not a lot to talk about uh, just because certain things change and certain things stay the same. Uh, you know, a few teams are surging. Some are plummeting, uh, you know, the jazz. I am looking at you right now. And then Joe Ingles going out. A hurts in general because I like Joe Ingles. He seems like a fun guy. Uh, the type of person that it'd be fun to have as a teammate and that most people enjoy competing against. He does get under the skin, the skin of certain individuals. Um, but I think most maybe bristle initially and then understand who he is. Uh, Jimmy Butler is a great example of that. They kind of got in each other's uh, you know faces a little bit, but realize they're roughly, they're a lot of the same. And then you see that kind of mirror looking back. But let's see what the chat has to say. And then next week, once again, we'll do a trade deadline uh, show. And I will put the show's email address in the comment section. And you can email the show. I'll send you the link back. And then I'll bring you in. And as we get more people, I'll drop out the individuals and bring in the new ones. But let's get to the chat. First up, Ramon Cook says, good evening. Hello, Ramon. Um, Mild Manor Comic Nerd says, hey, Matt, hope all is well. Have you ever watched Kuroko's basketball? If you like Shaolin soccer, you might just like you might like this just in anime form. Uh, I have not. Uh, I believe it's oh gosh darn it why am I blanking on his name the Angels Japanese baseball player who's just a oh Atani Atani uh, that's his favorite anime that's the first time I'd heard of it it's like oh but I don't watch anime um. So I don't know anything about it. I mean, I've watched, I guess, a, a couple here or there, but I don't really watch it. So uh, maybe one day I'll check it out. I mean, it is a subject matter that I'm a fan of. Uh, Daniel Savo says, hello, hello. Jake Cleveland says, my jazz are really struggling lately. Yes, yes, they are. And well, Mitchell is in concussion protocols still. He still has lingering concussion-like symptoms, and he's going to see another specialist and then you guys lose Ingles for the season with a torn ACL. And on the one hand, I would like for you guys have, to have kept him through the trade the deadline. But on the other, him and Jordan Clarkson are your two most tradable assets. And I would assume Ingles was the primary if the organization has to make a choice. Is we can ship one of the two out and actually get something back that could help us. And Ingles is on an expiring deal, plus with his, you know, he's older than most of the rest of the team outside of Mike Conley. Um, he makes more sense than Clarkson. And now with Ingles being done for the season, I'm not entirely sure. You guys could definitely use some more defensive help on the wing because while Gobert is an incredible backline defender, like, he can't do it all. You know, as much as people 
lambasted him last year for getting played off and couldn't make the switches and, uh, you know, teams extending him out. So he'd have to, you know, swing out to the perimeter and then get back on defense. Well, I think part of that deficit is because they don't apparently have anybody that can really lock down someone on the wing. So you guys could definitely use that help there. I just don't know what assets you're willing to forego because you traded quite a bit to get Mike Conley. Uh, I believe you have some available first rounders, like one in the you know next year or two, and then you can do like your 27 or 28. There's a boatload of teams though that can't trade any any first round picks until 28. Um, but yeah, the. The Jazz are struggling. They're plummeting right now. They're still in fourth. But if this maintains in short order, they're going to be in sixth in no time. Now, thankfully, below that, like, uh, you know, you got Mavs and Clippers, I believe, in 7-8. Oh, no, no, no. It's the T-Wolves and Clippers in 7-8. Um, I don't think you'll fall that far down so i think you would still stay above the play-in game if you can kind of you know level this equalize the free fall um and kind of stop it uh otherwise it's hypothetically possible that you could drop down to seven i mean you have to get really low because you're sitting, what, nine games above 500 right now? And the Clippers at eight are sub-500. And nine and ten are as well, obviously. But it would take a hell of a free fall to drop that far. So I still think you would stay out of the play-in game. And even if Mitchell has to stay out for a little bit longer, so long as you can tread a little bit of water, the weird thing about you guys, though, is your defense is just terrible it's not it's not the worst in the league but it is by especially by jazz standards it's not good um all right let's moving on uh mild manic comic nerd oh okay he's talking about the anime i was i read the comment and i'm like i don't understand what that's in reference to Jake Cleveland says, who would you take in their prime, Stockton or Paul? I think it really comes down to who, you, what other personnel you have. But I think Paul is more malleable, as we've seen evidenced. And it, unfortunately, you can only go by what we've seen. And Stockton was in a very specific situation for his career. But he also had a primary scorer next to him and one of the league's best uh, in Carl Malone. Whereas Paul is very much plug and play. You know, he was he was good on uh, uh, New Orleans and then shifted over to the Clippers and he was great on the Clippers. And then the Rockets were on the precipice of winning a championship. And then he goes over to OKC and takes what is, by rights, a fully tanking team and gets them into the playoffs. And then now goes over to Phoenix and takes a team that didn't make the playoffs, had a nice surge in the bubble, but didn't make the playoffs and is one of the reasons they propelled themselves into the finals and are the best team in basketball 
Um, now I know Stockton has the counting numbers. You know, assists and steals. No one's ever going to touch Stockton in those statistical categories. I I don't really foresee it happening. I mean, especially those two. When you look at the gap of him in second place, uh, even him and, and Chris Paul, it's like the chasm is so massive that no one that I can see right now playing is going to come remotely close to touching those records. But if you took Stockton out and put him into another situation, would he be as effective? He'd still be really good. He'd still be great. But would be, I don't know, we've just seen Chris Paul be able to plug and play and make so many different collection of individuals perform above the expectation level that they had set or that league had set for them. Um, and then you just put him with Chris Paul and then suddenly that, you know what, you know, Biombo is a great player. It's like, okay. Um, so in their prime, I think I take Paul just because then my roster construction around that is m- more flexible. Um, so Sebastian Velastegui. Velastegui. Let me know, Sebastian, if I pronounce that even remotely close. So thoughts on what Lakers should do with AD moving forward. Dude is like Mr. Glass with his fragility and constant injuries. Wouldn't be surprised if Lakers do a total rebuild in the next season or two. Well, LeBron is under contract for one more year. Uh, That's why the speculation of the Cavs holding on to Cavs base in 23 to potentially get LeBron to come back for one final swan song. And they'd have this young core making a championship run and they'd have the money and flexibility to go out there and get them. Um, Yeah. The Cavs are one of the more interesting teams to me in the trade deadline this year, just because Garland is playing so good. It looks like Sexton is expendable and somebody is willing to take, you know, a chance on Sexton so you can get something for him. You also have Ricky Rubio's expiring contract. You may not have to put much of any assets in and get something in return for them. Um, you know, I've seen the name Eric Gordon floated. Uh, it just depends on what they'd have to give up in addition to, to match those salaries. But if you would take the expiring of Rubio and some nominal asset on top of that and get out of the two years left for Gordon, I believe it is. Maybe it's two years and the third is partially guaranteed, but I believe it's only two years. Uh, But what do they do with AD? I mean, you know, AD has all the talent in the world, but he is. Charles calls him street clothes. Uh, He's going to miss 25% of his games every year guaranteed. Just guaranteed. And then he put on a little bit of weight this year. Was that a good thing or should he slim down? I don't know. If he wants to play the five, he doesn't need to be big and bulky in today's modern NBA. I know he doesn't want to play the five, but it makes the most sense, especially for a team like the Lakers. Um, But it would enable him to take a little bit more of the abuse that comes with that position. Uh. But right now, 
it's tough for me to see a world in which the Lakers rebuild, especially in the next couple of years, because they don't have any draft picks. Like the first available one that they can trade is 27. So unless you could trade out AD, and if you knew LeBron was leaving uh, and you were going to just go ahead and blow it up and do a full rebuild, you trade LeBron and you just get so many draft picks back that you could do a full rebuild. I don't see the point if I'm the Lakers for the next four years. So you're kind of saddled to this situation unless you're really willing to fly in the face of the expectations of your fan base because they want to contend for a championship every year. And they also overvalue everything that they have. So, you know, THT was too hot of an asset to trade for Kyle Lowry. And now nobody will touch him. He has been floated with every available piece. Jeremy Grant. Hey, what about THD? None. And our 27 first round draft pick and whatever salaries we need to match this. No. Uh, okay. Uh, what about THT? And uh, the, basically the same package for Buddy Heald. And Sacramento said no. Uh, okay. What about THT? And But the overvaluation of what they have. So got to make it difficult to trade for someone like an AD because uh, I can't even fathom what the Lakers would want in return unless he just shown consistently that he's good for even fewer games than he was previously and they're willing to take 50 cents on the dollar, 60 cents on the dollar. I don't know that they are. And I definitely know this fan base isn't. I mean, living here, if you listen to talk radio and stuff, delusional doesn't even begin to describe the fan base. Uh, and, and on some level, you can't fault them. They've been consistently good for decades on end. So to have the expectation level that we should maintain that, uh, that, that excellence is kind of well-founded, but it also breeds for just some of the most idiotic conversations you're ever going to hear and things that you can't participate in because having a rational opinion about players and expectation levels doesn't really work. Um, so I don't know. I think they're on some level kind of stuck with AD for the time being. Jay Cleveland said the Jazz should trade Ingles for Giannis. It could happen. Oh yeah, it definitely could happen. I, you know what? I mean, that's a strong trade. I, I think the Jazz may say no first. You know, they want to hold on to Ingles. Giannis is good and all, but Ingles is Ingles. Um, Rashawn Robinson says, damn nose, your Bulls are got first again. Yeah, kind of treading water, though. A little bit. And especially with Caruso and Lonzo out, uh, our defense, it's not going to be as good. We'll see after this, you know, at this point, three to seven week or no, five to seven week still extension of Caruso and Lonzo being out. Let's see how we do at the end of this. Once it comes, you know, uh, mid to late March, if we're still remotely in this position, I don't want us to be players in the trade market, though. Not for any of our major assets. I don't want to trade Pat Williams for Jeremy Grant because Jeremy Grant wants four years and a hundred and some odd million dollars over that four years plus a primary role in the offense. 
Uh, and I just don't think that fits with who we are uh, and the personnel that we have. We got a good vibe going, and I am content with wherever we land in the playoffs and whatever we do in the playoffs. I don't have a championship expectation level because I think the window on this team is another two years. And then if we do well next year and Pat Williams comes back healthy and whatnot, that two-year window could extend it to maybe three or four. Um, you know, we'll give Zach Levine his max extension this year. Not a problem. We still have DeMar for what is now an undervalued market contract. We got Caruso. We've got Lonzo, like Vooch. We have this the core of this locked up. Um, Desumu is on a rookie deal. You know, so we won't have to make any huge decisions this season. So might as well run it, finish, you know, stay the course and see what we gen- genuinely have and what things we could do on the periphery. But I don't want to sacrifice a bunch of our assets to just go out and get one guy. Like, I don't think Jeremy Grant makes sense. I don't think any of the three primaries from Indiana uh, make sense. I don't think the vast majority of who's out there and going to be out there is really going to move us into championship contention. So why reduce or severely limit our flexibility over the next couple of seasons, especially when we swung for the fences over this off off season and a half. If you go back to last year's trade deadline, we sacrificed quite a bit. We've made huge strides and let's just, ride this out for the time being. Um, Rashawn comes back and says, no, so I'm not going to lie. Cleveland scare me at the trade deadline. I agree. Well, I don't know about scare. I think Cleveland could do nothing and could do quite a bit. I think them and Memphis have some of the most flexible options as to what moves they can make. Uh, I don't think Memphis does a damn thing. And I think Cleveland should, because you're not going to get Rubio back and that's an expiring and somebody could use the cap relief. Um, you know, there are certain teams like Serge Ibaka will not be on the Clippers more than likely by the end of the season, just because if they can, if the Clippers can get off of them because his salary is what it is and they're over the tax, and they're in the repeater tax, if they can wipe his contract off the books, it saves him something like $40 million. And much as I'm sure Bomber doesn't care about that money at the end of the day type of thing, it's not really going to make a dent in his overall uh, you know, uh, uh, war chest. It doesn't make sense to pay that money if you're not going to compete for a championship. So why not free up what little cap space that would create and really make a push for next season as opposed to this year. But Cleveland, it's just, you could resign Sexton, but I think a team might be willing to pay a little bit over what you, you know, hypothetically could get him get for him just because you would have his bird rights and he's a young guy and he's shown that he's a pretty good player. Now with Garland playing so well, you might be able to talk yourselves into, well, if Cleveland liked both these guys so much and Garland has turned into a potential all-star, we'll know tomorrow whether or not he makes the team. 
uh, you might be able to sell yourself on the reality that Sexton is worth going out and getting and having his bird rights would be advantageous. But him and Rubio, I would really like to have seen Rubio on this team in the playoffs, and it sucks that he's out for the season. Um, But, you know, if they got rid of him, then they'd free up that cash to be able to pull in somebody that potentially could help them because they're frisky as shit. I, I really enjoy Cleveland. Uh, Jay Cleveland says Cleveland rocks. You're damn straight. Uh, Rashawn peppering in with four straight says uh, so much for all that Nets hype. The East is wide open. The East is within a couple games. All the major contenders. Well, I think it's wide open because, you know, who's the number one team in the East? Like, who is the true juggernaut? I don't know. I can still sell myself on the reality that it's the Bucks because come playoff time, they know who they are. But with no Lopez and, you know, losing Tucker, not that he was a huge offensive load, but he gave him defensive flexibility. Uh, if they don't do something in the trade deadline to kind of shore up their front court position in just in case Lopez is never going to be anywhere near what Lopez was, then I'm, I'm not sure if I buy Milwaukee. Um, I mean, I like anybody more than likely uh, thinks whoever wins the West as it stands right now, wins the whole thing just because the top three teams in the West, I think are more complete than anything in the East. Uh, Although the the East has a bunch of really frisky, interesting teams, and it's not like it's going to be a bloodbath uh, as it stands right now. I just, the East is wide open because I don't even know who the best team in the East is. You could sell me on any given night that, you know, Rashawn, I know you're a Heat fan, could be the Heat, especially once they get Oladipo back. But they haven't been in full health, and they've been this competitive uh, that's really interesting. The Bulls are interesting. The Cavs are interesting. Philly is playing really strong right now, but I don't really believe in Philly, to be perfectly honest, just because once it comes to playoffs, you're really asking Tobias to do quite a bit, and especially when the defense is going to be primarily focusing on doing everything they can to stop and beat Tobias, you need to make them pay for that, and I'd like to see him do it to be perfectly honest, before I assume he can. And I like Tobias a lot. Seems like a really good dude. Um, He's got a strong skill set. I just don't know if he's a solid number two. But at the same time, same could be said for Middleton until the Bucs won it. So, there you go. Uh, Rashawn said, Cleveland getting Goran Dragic could match that salary. But I think Toronto wants some sort of uh, you know, draft capital back in a Dragic trade. So who knows? But Cleveland would be a good spot for him. He'd be kind of perfect. You almost forget that he's out there. I mean, he's fucking, he's in Miami training at the Heat facility, even though he's a Raptor. Can't believe that's legal, but he's in Miami right now. That's where his family is. So that's where he is. Uh, Cause they told the Raptors that he wants out and they're like, that's fine. Go ahead and, 
go do whatever the hell you're going to do, even though he'd be really fun on this team. And they're above Nick Nurse and that squad, Fred Van Vliet, Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi. I'm still not a Siakam fan. Personally, if I was them, if I could find somebody who's willing to bite on taking Siakam off my hands, I'd happily do it. But that's just me. I've never really, I don't know. It's, it's, seems like a one trick pony. He's got a couple moves in his bag, but it's really only those couple moves. And they rightly had to pay them, pay him, you know, a boatload of money because they don't get many free agents coming their way. And they also developed them. Uh, so it made sense on, in that regard, but I've never been a Siakam fan. I don't think, I think he's great if he was your third option. But technically coming into this season, he was their number one option. That's why I valued them so low. It's like, I don't believe in that in the slightest. And now that it's Van Vliet and other people before we get to Siakam, it's a better team. Um, so Chris Miner says, there are heavy rumors of my Spurs trading DeJounte Murray or Deontay Murray, but it's DeJounte, I believe. And I really hope they aren't true. He is the heart of our team and the closest superstar we can get for now. I agree. I haven't heard anything right now that the Spurs... I mean, there's always the... I don't think anybody is utterly untouchable on that Spurs squad. I would assume Thad Young is the first guy out the door. Um, but if somebody you know, parachuted in with an incredible offer. It's not like the Spurs are lighting the world on fire with this current roster. So if they handed you, what if they handed you like three first rounders, one or two of them are lottery protected. One is wide open and matching salary. You wouldn't take that. You guys are out of the play in game as of right now. It's not inconceivable that you couldn't leapfrog over the Blazers into that 10th position, but you're not in right now. And Pop is, you know, pretty much done. So long as he can get those last seven wins and take over the winning as coach, uh, I think that's when he walks away. So if he can do that this season, which, dear God, I hope he can, um, I think Pop is going to be done. And if Pop's done, then maybe it's time to give some young assistant the reins and we blow it up entirely and start anew. Uh, but yeah, I haven't heard much chatter outside of the teams have investigated, but it's not like other guys where the Pacers, you know, trio or Jeremy Grant or a few other guys, which is like, these dudes are moving about 75% chance that one or all of them are moved. Um, so Rashawn Robbins says, the game of the week is Bulls versus Sixers Sunday. What is your prediction? I want to see what the full lineups are. I don't have a prediction right now. Because it's at 76ers, weirdly, I believe, let me pull it up. They had been... Uh, average at home until lately. Yeah, they're 14 and 10 at home. I believe they were 10 and 10 before this current run where they're 8 and 2 in their last 10 games. 
I want to say that they were 500. So it kind of favor uh, the Bulls, although the Bulls are, like most teams, uh, better at home than on the road. We're slightly above 500 on the road. And we don't have any kind of answer for Embiid, as most teams don't. Like, he's tough to to match up against. Um, so I guess I would slightly favor the Sixers. Uh, Yuri Mugerli jumps in here very late and says, hello, everybody, a little bit late to the party. Yes. And Yuri, um, just so you know, since you just got here, and Sean Gardner is the last comment. Uh, next week on the trade deadline show, I intend on bringing all you guys who, who join me every week in the chat. There's a ton of you. And hopefully those that couldn't make it today can next week. Because usually, of the usual suspects, we're missing like four, five, six of you that are pretty much here consistently. Uh, what I intend on doing is posting the show's e- email address in the chat over there on the side. And then if you want to uh, join me and give me your two cents on what your team should do, uh, I'd love to have you. So that is what I plan on doing on next week's show. Uh, and then finally, we'll do one more, and then we'll get out of here. Sean Gardner says, interested to see if the Pacers will make a move at the deadline or if they'll wait for the offseason. I mean, considering the entire roster outside of Brogdon can be had, somebody's going to be on the move. Now there are conflicting reports of they don't want to tank. So what does that mean? You want to ship out these assets, but you still want to be decent that doesn't make a lot of sense if that's the case then you want to keep these assets and maybe ship out one of them to bring back pieces that could augment but you guys are so far out of any realm of contention that why does treading water make any sense i realize the ownership of the pacers is pretty cheap and they don't want to lose money in the slightest but having lived in indiana for a time they love basketball and they're willing to sit through a few years of mediocrity if they know there's a game plan involved to get this team back to some sort of relevance, like a Reggie, you know, the Reggie years of we're in conference final and, and the overall NBA final contention. This is a roster built to potentially win it all. And as you're currently constructed, you're not. So I don't understand that, but the ownership said those guys are, can be had for the right price. And then yesterday reports were, but we don't want to be terrible. It's like, well, if you're shipping out those three guys, you're probably going to be terrible for a while. So why not go out and get as many drafts pick, draft picks as you possibly can, take the OKC route and build through the draft. You might be able to get a couple different, uh, you know, transformational players, and then suddenly you have the building blocks for uh, a little, you know, potential championship dynasty build through the draft. That's what a small market team has to do unless somehow you can convince free agents to sign there. But I I doubt that there are many free agents clamoring to live in Indianapolis. It's a lovely city, but compared to LA, Miami, New York, Chicago, you know, several others, Boston, Philly, Brooklyn, um, I just don't think it compares. Even uh, Atlanta's got more sex appeal. 
Uh, if the Pelicans were any good, New Orleans is a more fun town. So I don't know. Pacers don't make a lot of sense to me with this mixed signaling stuff, but uh, that is it for dropping dimes today. I think we covered enough. Thank you to everybody that joined in the chat. Once again, next week's trade deadline. I'd love to hear your thoughts uh, and love to have you as participants in the show. So please join me next week. Uh, if you've listened and never watched, we do this live each and every week at uh, 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time over at youtube.com forward slash dropping dimes. And I look forward to the chat every week. People chime in with all kinds of great questions. And uh, this week, not so much with the uh, the inner chat discussion. A lot of weeks, it's like I have to scroll through for a while because you guys are having a discussion amongst yourselves, which is awesome. I love to see that. A little mini community, basketball community in the wilderness, baby, forming. Um, but there it is. That is today's Dropping Dimes. You can follow me at Matt Nost. I'll see you guys next week. Uh, stay safe out there and have a good week. Adios. Thank you.